are back. Shalom. Hello. Ooh, that sounds... Let me guess. It's a voice from... Uh, Hebrew. Yeah, it's a voice from the past. I'm oh back, my baby. Oh, goodness. Cody, I gotta say, I'm like I'm really proud. Wow, good good call on the greeting today, yeah. man. Yeah, I like this. He came back strong, Nate. Yeah, still not as good as mine. <laughs> <laughs> Step up the game, man. I I gotta say though, I mean, really, like you know, I'm thinking, all right, here, what are we gonna have? And then he shows up with a biblical language. I mean. That's that's strong. Well, okay, yeah. Now that you put it like that, <laughs> <laughs> not to throw you under the bus at all, Nate. <laughs> uh, but I'm 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 kind of impressed, actually. I'm very impressed, actually. <laughs> no, uh, glad you're back with us this week, both of you, actually, because we've had uh, it's been a couple weeks since we've met, um, and uh, glad to be talking again. I think. Today, uh, we're going to get in and just talk about some relevant things that are happening. Of course, um, we've had uh, some big national news things come across the desk where, you know, you have a uh, an African-American man um, killed by police officers, um, and then from that... Uh, riots across the nation, protests across the nation. And, I, you know, I think it's something, you know, as Christians, as, um, you know, men and women who are trying to serve God in, you know, a time like this, a very difficult time, uh, we, I mean, how do we react to this? Like, what should we think? Like, how should we be? What should we say? What should we do? I mean, those are all questions that you know, if you're not asking, then, then, I mean, I, I don't want to like dog on people about that, but if you're not asking those questions, then, then you're kind of burying your head in the sand a little bit. I mean, am I wrong here? No, no, not at all. I mean, it's, it's a tough, tough topic. It's something that, um, you know, it's kind of personal to me because of obviously the job that I do, and we've mentioned that I'm a police officer, and so um, this is something that's tough, but it's also something that has needed for a long, long time. I can't put years on it, but it, change is needed. Change is needed on the policy aspect of police force. Um, change is needed in the mentality of the police force. In my opinion, I mean, that's cha- there's also change that's needed in the hiring process uh, of, of, of a police force. And, you know, there was an article I was reading um, where there's been guys or girls who were police officers at one agency and they were let go for whatever reason and rehired at, at another agency. And there's questions as to should they have been rehired and the reason as to why they resigned or was terminated. So there's a, there's a lot of things that need to be changed, and um, you know it's just going through the tough motions right now, but none as tough as what George Floyd went through that day. Yeah, yeah, and I and and I think good. I mean, at the end of the day, you know you, what you hope comes from this is positive change, mm-hmm. 
where we look at the situation that, I mean, when this has come up in the past, and, and you can dog it if you want, you can say whatever you want, but like when when Colin Kaepernick, you know, was trying to talk about these issues, I mean, I don't want to say he was laughed off the stage, but I mean, it was just kind of slipped under the rug and, and we moved on. Now, again, like there are, there are things... There are other, like, things that, that come into play there. Um, but at the reality of it is, like, that's what he was trying to draw attention to, and, and nothing happened. Now you're seeing, hey, listen, like, people are paying attention in a way that they never have before. Yeah, I, I this incident, I've seen more public support for for the movement that this you know the group black lives black lives matter movement i've seen more support from fellow officers i've seen uh more support from people that you didn't hear from in the previous hundreds of incidents um you know again i think the large part of our nation is crying out in the fact that there is change that needs to be that needs to be done uh with policing i mean there is mindsets that need to change and the end result of all of all this is you know we can hope and pray that justice is served that george uh, floyd's family um, gets that justice but also that there is change um, in how we educate and train and hire police officers as, as we as we move forward so how has it been you know and and you know nate absolutely like jump in here too like you know what what has been the mentality across the board you know from from positives to negatives that you've seen you know about this situation you know of course you know if we're talking about George Floyd we're talking about you know a black man who you know committed a crime um and uh, as the police officers had him handcuffed and held down one of them had his knee on his throat and uh he died from from that essentially mm -hmm. you know from this man holding his knee on his throat for over eight minutes right um i don't know what the exact details maybe you know more about like the exact details of that i mean that's that's pretty much that in a synopsis version of it but yeah which is what started all of this you know it started right you know just from that that video and that getting you know, the news coverage that it has, I mean, it just really just lit a fire. And you got to think, I mean, leading up to this, you've got three months of people being, uh, you know, forced to stay in their homes, okay? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> people are stir-crazy already, okay? I mean, even if, even if that was just it, okay? Like, you know, probably not enough, right? Mm -hmm. But then... So many people. What for, the the unemployment right now? I, I can't. I uh, is the statistic right? Check. Forty forty three million. Forty three million record mil or record 
Record yeah. numbers, right? Is yeah. is forty percent well, right? Is forty percent right? Uh, no, I, there's over three hundred million people. Yeah, oh, okay. I, I so, want to say it's around like 18, 17, 18, yeah. 19 percent. It's, it's okay. not Great yeah. Depression numbers yet, yeah. but it's pretty darn close. I mean, yeah. but we could call it that, could we not? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely. In, in so many ways, it, it is kind of like a, the next Great Depression. Yes. Not just monetarily or financially, right? Right. Yeah. And so you have you have this. Again, I'm hearing news people and talk show people and other podcasts referring to this time as the Great Depression. So you have you have a Great Depression, not the Great Depression. Right, right. A Great Depression. Mm-hmm. So you got you got that, and then something like this happens. You know, I mean, wow. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a lot of stuff. And really has created an environment in this nation that we have never seen. Never. You know, if it was just the financial aspect. Okay, Great Depression, we've seen that before. Yeah. You forgot about the mur- the murder hornets. <laughs> I did forget. I think everybody else has too. <laughs> Don't forget the murder hornets. <laughs> They're out there, man. <laughs> they are coming. <laughs> But, but yes, I mean, so just, you know, like, what are you hearing good? What are you hearing bad? What's some perspectives that you've, that you've picked up on this that maybe you think, oh, that's a good thought or things that you've seen that you're like, you know, that is, we can't go there. Yeah. I have really took some time to reflect on this, this situation Um, You know, I've been a cop for over five years, and there's been numerous accounts of similar type outcomes where a black man was killed by police, um, and there was a large amount of concern about the actions of the officer that that led to that moment. And I never really reflected until this moment, and for whatever reason, I did that. I've done this. I don't know, but it's forced me to recognize that I am a white man who is privileged. And it's at first, whenever I thought of that in some of the situations that's been presented in my life, it was kind of a hard pill to swallow. It always is. Yeah. But I think that in recognizing that it's, it's enlightened me and opened my eyes on a lot of different aspects. Um, You know, I, my oldest daughter got in trouble the other day and, she was kind of acting ungrateful and um, she was acting kind of, well, she was acting like a privileged little kid. And I, for some reason, had a lot of emotion into my frustrations with her. And I explained to her about some, you know, situations that I know of. And I told her, I was like, you don't have to know, you don't have to worry about your next meal. You can wake up in the morning, you can go downstairs in a house that has heating and cooling and grab some cereal and go to school. You don't have to worry about the lunch because it's already paid for by your parents. <laughs> and um, and then you get off the bus, and whether you're getting off the bus with us at home or you're getting off the bus with grandparents who love you, who will have food at their house. I mean, and I explained all this to her and I explained situations or circumstances that I know of in the community the community that, that I police. And, and she just started crying. She's like, Dad, I'm sorry. I, I didn't realize. And yeah. so I think... I think one of the good things that could come from this in a um, 
secular secular view is like just education of 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 our of the people you know it's something that we need to really really focus on and people have to really understand white people have to really understand that and i'm not saying all white people are privileged because i know some white people that have had really 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 rough lives too um but the majority overwhelms the black community when it comes to being privileged um as a white person and i think if we can learn to accept that that's a major step in moving forward into what the goal is at the end of this. And that's just that everyone's equal. Yeah. Um, so I've had a lot of time to reflect on this this past week. Um, I've been on the tractor a lot, like working hay and everything over the last weekend. So I've thought a lot about it. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've kind of gone back and forth with it because I've got family who are state troopers. And obviously, Cody, I think about people in your position, too. I, I hear stories of what cops go through on a daily basis. Sure. I mean, my, my brother-in-law, who's a state trooper up in Circleville, he t- he, he's told me, you know, I've held a dying kid in my hand from a car crash before. Yeah, right. And that's not the only time that's happened to him. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it does some crazy stuff to you. And and I know officers of the law, just like teachers, administrators, pastors, we're all held to a higher standard. Sure. We are. There's no doubt about that. Um, and I think we we do have to be understanding of, of the police officers in this situation, especially the ones that that have not done anything, you know, you know, involving the the whole George Floyd situation. I think we have to take a second to, to just be understanding of everything that they go through. And by no means am I um, definitely not condoning anything that's happened over the last couple weeks um, with the officers in Minneapolis. But I think we, we sometimes jump the gun and we forget about, you know, the things that the people who protect us go through on a daily basis, right? Um, Samuel DuBose, uh, I believe he officer in Cincinnati yeah. a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it is a dangerous job. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that is in place. We, we can, I think in certain circumstances we can, um, most oftentimes we can try to butter it up a little bit, mm-hmm. the, the job of being a police officer, but it, it can be dangerous, you know, and, and you, you let are me, totally aware of that Cody. Yeah. Well, let um, me ask this, and this is like, stirring the pot a little bit and, and so I'm you're I'm, good at that <laughs> so the the thing that I I think that I've seen from this situation that we haven't seen in the past is less defense of the cops involved than ever before yeah. I mean, every right. other situation, well, we don't know what right. happened before. Well, we don't know this. Well, we don't. And so, right. and then because of that, it like takes the situation from being level five, you know, just extremely terrible to, oh, two and a half, you right. know, because, oh, well, you know, there was all these other things. Now, again, this is what I'd say. I'm not defending George Floyd's past or even his actions leading up to that, you know, in the sense of did he commit a crime? Yes. Had he committed other crimes? Yes. Okay. So like we, I'm not 
putting him up as a martyr. You can't you can't do that right to the full extent because he there is guilt here. But what happened to him was absolutely unnecessary, uncalled for, and horrible. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That has to be the clear line drawn. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think because of that, um, we've more momentum for a protest against uh, some of the atrocities that have been committed by law enforcement. Yep, has 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 happened. Right. You know, and and so again, I we can't muddy the waters here. The reality is we're three white guys, one a cop, talking about something that we we've never walked in their shoes. I, right. I, I would say this, the other side of this, and then you know, just you guys come back at the, me with with some stuff. But the, the other thing that I think that you brought up, Cody, and and I think that's really important is perspective mm-hmm. here. I've had people tell me I do I've done a lot of counseling in 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 my life and the first thing I always tell them is I'm not a professional counselor so like if I give you bad advice like that's on you yeah. you know like understand I'm not you're not paying me for this <laughs> you walked in on your own accord <laughs> um but I can sympathize and I think one of the one of the amazing things about being a Christian is that we aren't reacting from just our own hearts, okay? We react to injustice because we have God's heart too, you know? Mm-hmm. Like his laws are written on our hearts and his spirit is living inside of us. And so while I cannot walk in the shoes of a black man, I can look at through relationships that I have and see how a black person is treated differently. I can look at how they grew up in the homes they grew up in and see the privileges that I've had you know, with a healthy family who is financially stable um, versus a broken home who has, I mean, fought for everything that they have up to that point and understand that maybe the only way out is through criminal activity. I mean, the reality is I've worked, I've went into prisons. Yeah. And you go into there and these guys, the story for 90% of these guys is, listen, my way out is criminal activity. Like, I I had nothing. I was never going to have anything. And so the only person that ever treated me with any respect was the gang member down the street who took care of me, who slipped me some money, who, you know, took gave me a ride or, or, or did this. And, and because of that, you know, I have this, you know, father figure almost yeah. he becomes and so then i grow up in that life and that's the only way that i can get out of the situation other other than being a professional athlete you know which you know what's the chances of that right um 
And then they'll then they get into the prison system. And I mean, I've I've had conversations with these guys. Okay, they're they're sitting there in front of me, and this is what they say. I know if I get out, if I can make one more good run at this, I've got a figure, I've got a number. If I can get to there, I'll walk away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's they've been in prison for twenty years, yeah. thirty years, forty years. Yeah, and that's what they're saying. Yeah. You know, that's. That's a prison in and of itself. Yeah. And that's, 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 you know, what a lot of these guys are working against. Now, I'm not condoning the activity. I'm not condoning, you know, uh, cr- crime at all. But we have, to, we have to have a perspective that at least opens the door for us to understand the... the the things that are being asked and cried out for are not wrong. Justice is never wrong. Right. Yeah, they that the um the Black Lives Matter, the 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 purpose of that, you know, it's not wrong. And again, a lot of my white privileged friends that I've noticed on Facebook or any social media outlet are are fighting against that and they relate the riots and the looting to the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and that's not what we should be doing. Um, I had a friend who put this little post up, and it, I, it struck me pretty deep, but it said, imagine your child dying, and you are giving a eulogy, explaining what your own child meant to you, how, your, how special your child was, and then someone grabs a mic and actually or says, Actually, all children are special. That's what all lives matter sounds like to me. And when I read that, again, it was just me reflecting on, on a lot of things that I'm trying to change in my mind and heart and opening up my eyes and, and views and stuff. And it really impacted me in that moment um, because I, a few years ago, I was one of those people that was like, man, I get what they're saying, but there's also a misrepresentation because they have all these riots or they have, you know, these, these moments that of destruction. So is it, is it really a good purpose to send the message that they're trying to send? Um, but I think the, the adverse side of that is too, is, you know, I want people to understand that the, the officer's actions in Minneapolis to, to Mr. Floyd, that's not a representation of the 99.9% of the police world either. Um, you know, that's not what we do every day. Um, there's a lot of comments or posts again on social media that will say, um, and all of a sudden in the last 24 hours, 599,000 police officers served their jurisdictions, um, and served them well. And cause again, the vast majority of officers, that's what they do. Um, they protect and serve and, um, Yeah. Kind of lost my train of thought there, but no, no. I think I think you're absolutely right. Um, I think you know it is perspective. I just I think about you know, and I've talked about these numerous times. I think about like opportunities that I've had to travel outside of the country, and I and 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 I've already like told my wife when my kids get to a certain age, like they will go with me to. India or, yeah. you know, or, um, you know, some third world country where they can see what privilege is mm-hmm. and what it is not. 
you know, because before I ever walked into any of those places, like I had this mentality of what those things were based on what I had seen in other places. But at the end of the day, it, it doesn't even pale in comparison of it. And, and again, how much do we dehumanize situations? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's over there, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's that person, it's that thing, it's, and, and, and until it's personal, right? Like, so the coronavirus, right, is this really big deal. Right. And around here, like, we were like, I mean, by and large, a lot of people were like, well, it's not a big deal, it's not a big deal. And then Dr. Manzer has what happened to him. Then everybody tightened ship. Everybody <laughs> tightened ship, right, right. They, they buttoned the hatches. Why? Because it became very personal. Right. Right. And and I think that's that's the thing. We cannot dehumanize this. Mm-hmm. Like that was someone's son. That was someone's friend. If that was my friend, I would be broken. Yeah. You know. You know, I can I know I know guys who have, you know, who who are who have not done good things and not lived good lives and have um, been wrapped up in in crime and. And I would think, you know what, like, uh, they're n- not good people. But at the end of the day, if that happened to them, I would, I would still feel very hurt and broken by it. Mm-hmm. We, we have it has to be personal. Um, I remember even talking about a situation when that big group um, from South America was going from country to country on its way to the United States and everybody was up in arms. Like we cannot let them into the United States. And they, and, and again, you look at that situation it's, and you dehumanize it by thinking, well, if they get in, like, what's that going to mean for that state or that city or our economy or, you know, whatever else, like you, you name it, like it's going to affect this nation in a, in a huge way. That many people, that influx of people and, and even the crime that could come with them and all those things. I mean, yes, that there are logistical, it's a logistical nightmare. Okay. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm not ignorant to that. Here's the reality. Why, why are they risking their lives, the lives of their children and their wives to go through countries that don't want them to get to a place where they think the promised land is? Why? Because they were so threatened, because they were in in dire straits that their only hope was if we get to this place, then maybe we can have some freedom here. But the media, even you know our government, if if they can dehumanize these people to us, if we don't see pictures of little kids being carried by their mother, you know who are just in dire straits, if we don't see those pictures and we don't picture our own kids and our own wives, then we don't have to care. And the reality is the gospel says we have to care. We have to care. We have to care more than anyone. Mm -hmm. It's more our responsibility than anyone else because we have the only hope for this world. I got loud. No, I was going to keep letting you go. <laughs> I felt like I was back at Sunday again. <laughs> I know. I got a little preachy there. <laughs> we have to be careful about me getting a little preachy on podcasts. But, but let me ask you this, though. Like, so what do, what do you say, if, if we have to care, what do you say to the, to the 
people that are out there not peacefully protesting. They're rioting. They're destroying businesses. They're damaging property of others who have maybe worked their entire life to get to that moment to have a business right there in downtown New York. Um, how do you respond to that? Well, I think, and and I'm, I should let Nate answer this question. Pretty simple, man. I'll pray for you. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, we live in such a polarized world today. Um, we live, this guy's on this extreme, this guy's on this extreme. Um, in a lot of ways, if we try to say more than, hey, dude, I love you and I'll pray for you, it, it sometimes makes the situation worse and we, we polarize even more. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as a teacher, I've, I've found that out too. Um, so sometimes it's just good to say, hey, I love you, man. I'm here for you. Uh, and I don't know, just through my experience, again, right. perspective. So, so this is kind of off topic, but what you said. So yesterday I, I wanted to feel like a real patrol cop. So I, there was a call that came out that there was a guy. <laughs> a, that, a real one? Wait, <laughs> wait. So, so here's what we understand now, Nate. Okay. I'm not a real cop. Did they? <laughs> I didn't say that. So you, what does a, a patrol cop dream about? Being a detective, but and what's a detective dream about? Being a cowboy. <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> I was going to say being a patrol cop. Oh, oh. yeah, that would be my second uh-huh. guess. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, so, anyways, there was a, a, a male who was having alleged suicidal thoughts. We get there, and, you know, I start speaking with the mother. And this, this individual is 20 years old. Uh, from the way the call came out, I thought it was going to be like a juvenile. And so we're ta- I'm talking to the mother. The other guys are talking to the, um, the, the guy. And this, this mom's just, I mean, she's talking a mile a minute. She's yelling. And then I, I would respond, and then she would talk over me. So then I eventually realized, like, this is one of those times where I'm going to take a step back, let her vent. So I did. And at the end of it, I told her basically there was nothing I could do that she wanted me to do. The, th- the thing she wanted me to take this guy to the hospital. And I said, we can't kidnap an individual because, you know, he has to meet these requirements for me to, to uh, quote unquote, pink slip or put somebody in the hospital for a mental breakdown, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she went off on me, cussed me out, yelled, screamed. And when she was done talking, I looked at her. I said, listen, I love you and I'll pray for you and I hope things mm-hmm. get better. Wow. And she just started, she broke down, started crying. She didn't say anything else. She said, thanks. And she walked away. Wow. And she she gave me like a half hug, and and that's sometimes like you said, yeah. sometimes that's all that needs to happen in yeah. some circumstances. And you know, to that point, you may disagree. Okay, you may absolutely disagree, and and in fact, you may have every right to say this thing is wrong. Mm-hmm. But at the but but again, at the end of the day, like it really is like being someone who's willing to listen and care about that individual regardless of of where you stand on these on these issues. Yeah. And I, we I mentioned it earlier. I again, like you said, I don't support the destruction of businesses. I don't condone that those actions. However, I mean, if we're looking at it in from a Christian aspect or, you know, eternal aspect of this, should we primarily focus our energy on the fact that these businesses are being destroyed? Or should we focus on what can we do to change the hearts of the ones that are out there? You know what I mean? 
because we're all sinners saved by grace. And, and so, you know, where's the difference lie? That's, that's kind of where I'm at in, in, in this aspect of it. Again, I'm, I'm not condoning um, that type of behavior. I, I, I think some of it is highly uncalled for. Uh, well, I think the, the sad thing is this, and I think you have to separate the issues to an extent. Like, you can't fully separate them because they're happening together. But there are a lot of people that are out protesting peacefully. The majority. And a few people are are really distracting from the, 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 the most important issue, which is, hey, listen, something has to change. Like, that's the message. Something has to change. Yeah, we're tired. We're tired of the same story being repeated over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And the reality is, like... You know, it it ha- it's happening all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so something has to change. But because you have these few individuals that are taking advantage of this situation and damaging buildings and stealing, you know, trying to get a new pair of Nikes or whatever, yeah. you know, or, or whatever it is, like because you have people that are doing that, like it really is sadly. It's it's distracting from from the the main issue here, and 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 so I think, you know, I, I think you, I think as a Christian, we have to separate those things, yeah, and understand the complexity of it, and not just it's simply, well, it's wrong because of this. Well, yeah. So then I'm going to turn around and affiliate it with the entire purpose or mission of what Black Lives Matter movement is doing. Right. And that's wrong. Right. You know? It is yeah. wrong. Very wrong. Yeah, that's... I've had conversations with... I can't name them, but I have, I've had conversations with people, and, and we've, had, we've had disagreements on it, you know? And, and I said, if that's, the, if that's the avenue you want to take, then we're no better than the, the thing that you're saying. And, and I'm talking about other cops, like... They mentioned like the, these actions are horrible, and they're identifying the Black Lives Matter movement with the actions of these rioters or, or, or looters, and so they're they're combining all that. And um, I said, so, but you're over here crying about the fact that we're all good cops for the most part. You know, where's you know where's that difference lie? Um, you know, they should they should look at that in two different aspects, like you're saying, separate it. But I, I so when this whole thing came up and it was really starting to catch fire. My sister-in-law said, you need to say something. Mm-hmm. I got mad when she said that. Like, like she's like, you need to say something. And I'm like, I'm not just going to say something to say something here. Like I, at that point I'd been in a tractor for, you know, a week. <laughs> so I, you go a I had bit no idea go. what was going on <laughs> in the yeah. world. Is that when you called me? Probably yeah. yes, yes, yes. It was. It was when I called you. Um, yeah, I called. I I called Cody right after. I'm like, dude, give me a perspective on this because I have no idea. But you know what? Honestly, I mean, this this it's, it's it's honest to say this. Like, I was in the middle of a jury deliberating the life of a black man going to prison. Yeah. I mean, and so when you called me. You know, here I was feeling good about my case, not because the man was black, but just because of the case and the, and the crime that the man committed. Whether he was black or white didn't matter. He committed this crime, and then it. And you mentioned it in the sermon. Like I had this feeling of, 
of um, remorse for him. Even though he committed that crime and he deserved to go to prison, I had that that feeling of just, is this all there is in this position, in this job? Is this the end result of, well, this is a big case. Hey, you solved it. And hey, now the jury's going to find him. Yep, they found him guilty. Is that it? Like, I didn't really have any satisfaction from that. It was kind of a, Kind of a hard, hard, a hard pill to swallow in that moment. But sorry, go ahead. Well, and that goes to the second point. Did I say I did say sister-in-law, right? Yeah, okay, yes. yeah, not I, your sister. Because I got to thinking, did I say mother-in-law? Because my mother-in-law would kill me if, I, if I don't, don't go. <laughs> don't make dead mad. <laughs> my sister-in-law. I might be able to get away with this, but like my mother-in-law, like I'm, I'm in big trouble. Okay, just that, making sure. Get you. I want to clear you. that up. Yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> it was actually Deb. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> But I, here, here's what I would say, because I think you, you, you bring up a really big point here when you say that you sat there and you thought about this and you felt remorse, okay? Again, you did the right things in that case. You presented the evidence. You did it well. You did your job well, and because of that, there was a conviction, right? right? Um. We know there are criminals who get off because cops don't do their job well. Sure. And 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 then they get released and, and again that's a loss. Mm-hmm. This was a win from right. that perspective. It's not a win for this guy's life that you that the that goes to prison for nine years of his life or whatever the sentence is comes yeah. down on right and then gets released and then he has to try to acclimate back to life and he gets put into a system where he will be dehumanized and he will dehumanize other and he will be institutionalized which means that he his mind will start working in a way that that is not normal right right because he's living in this environment that is forcing him to live and act and react in a way that he never would if he was outside of that environment i mean that happens like you know that is legit stuff going on in our in our in our prison system i mean i don't think there's anything you can do about it you know um but but these things happen, and so like this guy's life will never be the same. Right. And so, but but I think here's the point of that. When, you know, the reason I was upset about, you know, her saying, "Hey, you need to talk about this," was because, you know, the first thing I thought to myself is, at first, I don't know the situation, so was it justified, the actions of this police officer, what led up to that. And, and and there are people who are out there saying, nope, you're not allowed to think about that. You're not allowed to say that. You're not allowed to go there. Mm-hmm. So what is that? What What is happening? We're being asked to not think. We're being asked to not try to understand. That is ignorance, man. Right. And, and so I'm, I'm not saying like, distract from what happened with George Floyd. No, it happened. It was terrible. Yeah, pretty cut and dry there. Cut and dry, yeah. Okay. What I'm saying is, as Christians, we always have to think. Mm -hmm. We always have to try to find the balance that the Holy Spirit is leading us to in our hearts and in our minds, you know, and, and again, it's why I called you. I yeah. wanted to hear from a Christian brother, like your perspective as a law enforcement officer on this situation, because I don't think that I have the right perspective to handle this or deal with this in any way. 
because of how I was raised, because of how I grew up, because of my skin color, you right. know. Um, and, and, and so you begin to reach out and gather the information that you need to adequately deal with this in a way that you have a perspective that is God-centered, mm-hmm. Bible-centered, Spirit-centered, Gospel-centered, rather than, well, I think this because of this, or right. I think that because of that, whatever it is. And please, like, don't take verses out of the Bible and share them all over the world and don't act on them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, uh, I seen somebody put love thy neighbor and, and I wanna I, I wanted to, but again, I stay off of it. I try to my best. When I say stay off of it, like I don't comment post or anything like that, but um, they said love thy neighbor and I I just wanted to ask them, like, are you actually doing that or are you just putting that to behind your probably a new brand new phone sitting in your nice vehicle or your nice house in your privileged life. Like, are you actually acting on it or are you just saying it just to say it to, to maybe appease one of your friends? Yeah. You know, like we have to act on the, on, on the things that we're, that we're saying. I think that's the biggest besides education is, is one, you know, is acting in a manner that is Christ-like. And if we're going to use the Bible to reference how we're trying to be a better person, then I think we need to act on it because that's what Jesus did. Is he what he says, what he said, but he also acted in what he said. So let me ask you this. <laughs> let me ask you this. So does what are, what are you asking people to do? I'll give you two choices here, and then you have to explain your answer. This might okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like the hot justify seat. your answer. <laughs> this, this this is where you gotta have that little music goes. Dun, 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 the hot seat. I really need to get sound effects. <laughs> Ooh. Please. <laughs> oh my gosh. Sound effects would be awesome. Okay. I feel like so court. <laughs> are you asking people not to post Bible verses? No. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You, yes. I have two choices and oh, you have sorry. to explain. <laughs> sorry. I don't think he understands the, the game here. <sighs> I drink caffeine. Go ahead. Or are you asking people to post verses and then there to be action behind them? But in this case, what is the action? So I'm asking people if they're going to post Bible verses, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, obviously the Bible is our book, our guide through life. But I'm also saying that if you're going to do something like that in, in the situation that we're presented with right now, number one, you should have been acting before you posted it. Um, but even if you didn't do it before, like I could admit to you right now that I haven't, um, start doing it now after after the fact that you posted it. Um but the second part of it, what was the last, so the last question? Then, okay, in that situation, okay. the verse was, "Love thy neighbor." Okay, what is what does that mean? It means for 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 Cody Jeweler. For me, it means it means don't look at a, a person's skin color and allow that to cloud your judgment of who that person is. Um, get to know that person. You know, one of the things that I've done, and I've done it since I've been a cop, is is I don't look at the skin color of a person to determine how I need to police them. And I've been pretty successful with that in the aspect of I, I'm, I don't understand, I don't sympathize or understand different cultures, but I try to somewhat understand. Kind of like what you said, like we, we don't understand a black man's life as a white man. We don't. Um, but if you can empathize with them in that situation or just empathize in general, 
I think that's something that we could start doing moving forward from this incident because we a lot of us haven't done it previous to this incident. So I think that's something we could really implement in our life is just you know love the neighbor love thy neighbor and love is an action it's not just a word and so you know I don't know how you would love somebody I I can give a million ways to love somebody you know but just get to know the people before you put judgment on them before you before you make comments post statements whatever just I don't know just love them yeah. <laughs> cuz love's such a vast word um that's kind of a tough question to ask. Like that would have to that would have to take like a day to process that. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll give him a week. Yeah. What do you say, Nate? That's all he got, man. You got a week, and then you have to come back with the answer. No, it's not going to be the answer because it's not just <laughs> simple. <laughs> it's 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 going to take some time. It's going to take time, but I think that if we can implement that, I think that we can start seeing progression. And that's if we see progression. Instead of regression, I mean, that's essentially, that's what the Black Lives Matter movement is all about, is progressing to that equality that they deserve, and they have deserved for a long time. Um, we have to, yeah. They have to become real to us. I'm, yeah. I mean, and, and I don't, that sounds silly, like just saying no, but it's it like true. that. But it is, but yeah. I think, and this is what I mean. So, you know, just all the psychology of this. I was uh, I I read a book called On Killing, um, written by a um, psychologist in the military. Um, great book, great read. I, and maybe I felt like it was a great book and a great read just because the timing of it. Um, I don't know, uh, but it was it was around the time that Lincoln had passed away, mm -hmm. and so like it just that whole like understanding that you know the psychology of 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 death and suffering and grieving and pain and you know i just you know just i don't know i was soaked into it you know just a lot of different things and that was a book that was a book that i read around that time and in that book he talks about the progression the military has gone through from being able to, like early on, in like the Civil War and 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 even into you know World War One, the percentage of people that would shoot at a at another individual but aim their gun and pull the trigger, versus the people that would shoot over their head intentionally shoot over the enemy's head, and the percentage was, I, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was it was it was high the amount of people who would point their gun over their head and not shoot, right? Or, you know, turn turn their head away and shoot, something mm -hmm. like that. But Vietnam changed everything because of how they began to train people that were entering into this conflict. Yeah. And what changed was instead of them shooting at a round target with an X on it, they began to shoot at silhouettes of humans, human silhouettes that if you hit it, then you were, uh, incentivized, you know, yeah. you, you, you got a reward, a point system. Now think about this. And then and he went into the psychology of this, like, then he goes into, you know, video games today and how like video games where you shoot a individual and then 
you know, you get a hundred points, yeah. you know, for that, you know, that go into, you know, whatever, like and nobody really cares. But again, yeah. you, the little hundred plus 100 goes up above their heads. And then how guys sitting on a, in a, on a, on a destroyer out in the ocean, firing a missile into a group of thousands of people, hit the button, don't think anything about it. Throw a grenade, you think a little more about it, but less. Pull a trigger, you know, at a distance, you know, you think even more about it. But then if you are in hand-to-hand combat with this person right there in front of you, like psycho- psychologically how much more difficult it is. Mm-hmm. But then they went into like even like why, you know, the enemy was referred to as, name it, Jerry for the Germans, gooks, you know, all these slurs that were made mm-hmm. to why? To, to create this mentality of this is not a human, this is an alien, this is something other than, and if I can get that in my head, then I can kill this person, right? Yep. Now, <laughs> that sounds like really harsh, but, but where, I'm, where I'm going with this is this. Think about how much we do that. Mm-hmm. And even our culture as a whole, how much we do that. You know, somebody tweets something and then, you know, you say the wrong thing and you get blasted. Yep. We have dehumanized that person. Like, there is not a person behind that. There is this thing that said this thing that I don't agree with, so I'm going to respond in this way and I'm just going to spew hate and poison towards that. Right. Mob mentality. Yeah, mob mentality. And it's, Again, we're eliminating our minds and we're eliminating the fact that we are human beings, that we were created by God, right. <laughs> that we are His, whether we are Christians or not. Like we are His creation and we are beautiful. You know, and when you get to know these people like you're talking about, when we when this becomes more personal, it's harder. Right. Yeah. Because they're a human. I Absolutely. Mean, let me let me put this in perspective. So I, I when I went through the academy. And this kind of goes along with your training. Um, but when I was in the academy, we had 80 hours of firearms training. We had 80 hours of defensive tactics training, which is essentially hand-to-hand combat. Um, we had a class called, I believe it was culture and race, racial or culture and race diversity. Guess how many hours we had? Four. So we had 160 hours of use of force. 160 hours, right? Yeah. And we had four hours of a, of a woman, and she was, she was a, a, a good teacher, but we had four hours of this woman coming in just to enlighten us, to basically give us a certificate to say, yeah, we, had, we received culture diversity, and that certificate still, still weighs the same as my firearm certification. Wow. But in my mind, and what I would love to implement if I, if I had uh, the authority, which that's one of the things I don't have the authority to do right now, but... I would love to go up to the state and say, hey, if you want change, let's let's change the hours of this. Mm-hmm. Let, let's add more culture diversity classes because whenever you have officers like myself that grew up in southwest Ohio with 96% white people that doesn't understand a black man in an inner, inner city area, um, and you enlighten them through, let's say, 20 to 24 hours of culture diversity, maybe, just maybe, right, maybe – they would, they would think before they act and that they would understand that when 
some people yell, it's not them actually yelling to, towards you. It's them just wanting to be heard. Right. And you don't have to take that as a, um, an offensive gesture. It's just the way they react in situations that are kind of hectic. Some people get quiet. Some people yell. Some people cuss and scream. You know, some people um, get physical with themselves. And, you know, and it's something that I think with police, they have to understand is, is there, there is a vast difference in, in people. And again, if we can get to know the people that we're policing. And again, if you work for a big city like Columbus, you're not going to get to know every single person in Columbus, right, right. but you'll understand the cultures that you have in Columbus. And when you understand that and you're presented with the situation that you are given, you're able to dictate how you police that situation. And it might be different than how you, how you police a, a situation of a different culture. Um, and again, that's what I've tried to do in my five years is uh, understanding that. And again, I'm not perfect. Um, but it's been relatively successful for me. Um, so it's just one of my frustrations with my job. It's not something that makes me hate my job, but it's something I think that if we, if, if they want change, that's one of the things we can focus on changing first is, is again, education and making those topics more aware and, um, hold more weight, um, when they train these, these, uh, prospective police officers, officers at the Academy. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, you know, I just, you, you, you think about, you know, what you're saying and, 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 and this whole discussion and you know what, being a good neighbor and living that out doesn't have, you know, as much, like we're not going to get a lot of practice doing that in a, like you say, in a place where it's 96%, you know, white, you know, in the area and, and, you know, the majority of the people that we're going to come across. But I think it is first and foremost, most being mindful, what we're posting on social media is, mm-hmm. is a way to love your neighbor, mm-hmm. you know, when it, in regard to the situation, you know, the thing that I'm, I see my white brothers and sisters doing is sharing all the videos that downplay this mm-hmm. and make this not as important and not sharing the things that, you know, are, that are truth on the other side of this. Like let's, let's be, let's open our eyes. Okay. That, that's, that's one way. The other thing I'd say, and, and, and we can maybe kind of end on this is that loving my neighbor is understanding that while it may not be a black man that, excuse the way that I say this to practice on, you know, and become better at this. Mm -hmm. But there are absolutely people out there that I don't understand and don't care to understand because I don't like their lifestyle or I don't like the way they they smell or I, they don't fit in my tax bracket or they don't have kids that are the age that mine are. Mm -hmm. When the reality is like, we can practice on people that aren't like us and you know, that, that maybe we don't necessarily want to, I mean, right. cause that's what it comes down to. Right. I mean, we mm-hmm. all, to be a good godly person, it is loving the unlovable. Mm-hmm. I was driving today, driving down the road, checking crops, walking cornfields. <laughs> and, uh, um, I just see this guy by the road on a motorcycle, big old, nasty ratty beard, you know, do rag leather vest mm-hmm. on, you know, 
and he's pulled over by the road and I just wanted to know how much it rained. So I pulled over and said, Hey man, like you live around here? And he's like, No. I said, oh, Okay, I was wondering. We got to talking. Just a great guy. But if just at a glance, like I'm like, I don't know if I really want to stop and talk to this guy. You know what I'm saying? I don't know why I did. When I pulled away, I thought, Lord, I think maybe that was more for him than me, but it'll make a good story. (laughs) (laughs) I was at, when I worked at the car lot, um, I was selling, I was trying to sell a car to a guy. And on the surface, I looked at him. I'm like, I'm thinking this guy doesn't have a credit score higher than a hundred, probably if that's even existent. Um, and I know he probably doesn't have a nickel to his name, but I treated him with respect. I apparently, and I treated him, tried to treat him good. And he ended up, he said, well, I want to get this car. And it was a $15,000 car. So, okay. I was like, we have credit apps you can fill out. And I was going through the whole thing with him. And in the back of my head, I was thinking it's going to get denied. Like this is a waste of my time, but you still have to do it. He said, uh, he's like, well, I'll, he's like, my house is about 30 minutes away. I'll be back. And I thought he wasn't going to come back. The guy shows back up in his ratty old car. He has a, another person that's <laughs> with him, and they look just as grungy as this guy. And he comes out, and he said, you said 15000 I said, yes, sir, that's tax title and everything. And he pulls out of his pocket a huge wad of cash and oh just goodness. lays it on the table. Oh, my goodness. And he said, I just want to let you know. He said, I went to another dealership. And he said, they treated me disrespectful. And he's like, I think it's because of the way I look. He's like, I actually have quite a bit of money, but he's like, the way you treated me, um, he's like, I'm not not going to buy a car from you. I, it, it was, again, one of those eye-opening moments for me. Wow. Yeah. I, I think that's that's the truth. Like, strip away the exterior and get to the core of of the fact that these are individuals, these are people, these are God's creation, you know, like, if you have to, picture your kids, picture your wife, picture your best friends, picture, you know, you just think about, like, how much you love them, and I don't think you can do that in your own power, I really don't, I think it only comes to the Spirit, and Him, you know, creating a heart in you that, that will love others the way that we should. You know, Jesus throughout his whole life came up against people who hated him, who tried to fight him, who tried to, you know, discriminate him, who 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 were tweeting all kinds of bad stuff about him, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> and at every point like when he needed to answer, he answered wisely and he didn't stir the pot or try to create a situation where it would incite violence. Mm-hmm. Anytime his followers were going, like you think about Jesus, you know, Peter defending him and striking the ear off that. So he healed this man who's about to take him to his, to his, you know, his deathbed. He's, he's taking him to be sentenced and killed mm-hmm. and he heals him. You know, he, he's trying to create, you know, peace He's loving these individuals. He says, as as they're as they're killing him, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, we have an example of what to do in this situation. You know, and so I'd say, like, that's you know, Martin Luther King Jr. was amazing. Was yeah. an amazing man. Yeah, and created a movement that was incredible. I mean, I just admire him mm-hmm. so much as a as a man, as a godly man. Who said, "Hey, listen, we're we're not going to do this with violence," mm-hmm. and I respect that, and I think that's the thing. But 
But then the other side of this, if if there is violence, like don't be an idiot and say, well, then it's all, you know, throw it all in the garbage because none of it's any good. No, it's they're still good. Mm-hmm. Think, be smart. You know? And 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 like you said, Cody, use scripture, you know, as your guide to how you react in this. Don't use it as a as a weapon. Right. Use it as a guide to how to live and be a good, godly person. That's what it's all about. Stay off the computer screen and act in love. Yeah. Don't just say it. So, action, mm. man. Um, let's close in prayer. God, we love you. We thank you uh, for the times of discussion that we have. God, we thank you for for being able to be here. We thank you um, for how you stir our hearts to to situations that that. You know, it would be easy just to to stay in the tractor and 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 not think about these things. But you want us to think. You want us, you know, be mindful of these things. You want us to have your heart in this. I mean, your heart breaks, you know, for injustice, and 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 your heart breaks when when um, the media or her social media distracts away from from you know, what you want to see. And you want revival in, in this country. You want revival in this world. You want a message of hope to be presented. And and when we bury our heads or, or we allow ourselves to be distracted, God, um, then then we are um, we're being ignorant to what the Holy Spirit is trying to do, God. So move in our hearts. Teach us. Grow us. Give us opportunities to love our neighbors. Uh, God, and just be with, um, be with George Floyd's family. Be with all these protests, God, that 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 your heart will be seen in this, that it will be peaceful, Lord, that change will come. Uh, God, we pray your blessings, um, not because we deserve it, because you are a God of grace who sent your Son to die for us on the cross so that we could live and really live uh, with the hope of a future and a power from the Holy Spirit that we would never have outside of you. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well... That's it, fellas. I didn't look any um, way to say Sambano! Bye. That's it, okay. Sambano! <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, shalom, I think, is a good one, too, for, for I think it does too. mean bye, too. Yeah, it's yeah. actually, what does it mean? Peace? Peace be with you? Peace. Is that what it is? No? We don't have time to look it up now. Yeah. Somebody should look that up. I say what you said to hear. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. So this is us signing off. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Have a good week.